0: Podcast what's good, do you eat food? That is a very simple question I have for you. Do you eat food? Now, if that food happens to be gourmet stuff, like delicious olive oils or cookies or that kind of random shit, then you need to go to yummytex.com. Yummy, Y-U-M-M-Y, tex.com. Gourmet foods at ridiculous discounts, just like Wine Text, but for olive oils, pastas, hot sauces, mustards, and other exotic candies and such, yummytex.com the best place to buy gourmet food at ridiculously low prices. This is the Gary V audio experience.
1: What up podcast for today's episode, Gary sits down with internet entrepreneur and investor, Sam Parr. They spoke about their different hustles and how most of you need to break out of the mold. So make sure to hit them up and leave a review to let us know what you thought. And I hope you enjoy.
0: Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk. Super excited uh, about being back on the podcast. Really, uh, Really, um, just hopeful everybody's doing super well and let's just really get right into this conversation with Sam, Uh, I'm gonna let him introduce uh, himself and then I will take it away. Sam, why don't you tell the Vayner Nation who you are, what you're about, and then we'll go into it.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm Sam Parr, I own this company called The Hustle. Um, So we started out with conferences and things like that and I could talk about that, but um, yeah, we had this conference called HustleCon after I sold one company, I started this thing called HustleCon. Um, It's basically like a TED Talk for entrepreneurs, but I made it popular by creating an email newsletter. And then I was like, this email newsletter thing's awesome. So kind of parlayed it into the hustle. And so now we're a daily email with um, about one and a half million daily readers um, and bootstrapped a media company. Uh, Each morning we give, uh, like I said, about a million and a half people all the business news and information they need to know. And then we've parlayed that into a bunch of other things like a paid subscription called Trends, um, podcasts, and a bunch of other things like that.
0: So, how about as a kid? Like, were you entrepreneurial?
2: Yeah, so I um, grew up in Missouri, and then I went to college uh, in Tennessee. And when I was in Tennessee, I owned a chain of hot dog stands called Southern Sam's, a wieners as big as a baby's arm, and <laughs> <laughs> and like. How old were you? Uh, I started when I was like twenty, but before that, I was selling stuff on eBay. Uh, but like, that was my first legal business where I got a business license and paid taxes and things like that. Uh, have you seen that TV show called American Pickers? Yes. So Mike, the main guy, the skinny guy, I met him on the street because I was a big fan, and I asked him to work at his company or at his store. He was opening up a store where they sell like all the old shit. Um, and I worked there and it was great, but there was always a line of like a thousand people, and I was like, I'm gonna go open up a hot dog stand and sell hot dogs to these people, and that's what happened.
0: Because the show was so famous that people Yeah, would- when
2: I worked there in two thousand and eleven or no, sorry, two thousand and eight or nine or something like that. We were number two on cable behind Pawn Stars. And uh, all these people from around the world would come and get in this line. Where was that? It was in Nashville. And that but it was he like he's into old stuff, right? So he got this old building that was away from everything and there was no restaurants. And I was like, huh, these kind of, it's I'm from the South so I can say this, but they're kinda of rednecks who would come and, and, and wait in line and I was like, these fuckers want some hot dogs and water. That's all they want. And I opened up this hot dog stand and that was like my first- Hustle. um, Yeah, first business that made money, and I'd pay taxes and got licenses. And how
0: did that go? How long did you do it?
2: For a few years, I mean, you would make a grand a day on a good day. Yeah, it was awesome. And then um, I started a website that made a little bit of money, but I was like, oh, the internet's the way to go. And so I left school and moved out to Silicon Valley, San Francisco, and uh, originally had job offers at Airbnb, but at the time it was called Airbed and Breakfast. But I was like, you know, screw this, let's try to start something. So I started a roommate matching app that had a small exit and then kind of parlayed that into the hustle and what I'm doing now. Um,
0: and what was that company called and who did it sell to?
2: It was called Bunk originally, Bunk SF. It was, so what we would do is, it was kind of funny, we would cold email all these landlords and apartments who had two, three, four, five bedroom apartments. And then we would host parties so people who had similar wants and needs for living situations could all meet one another. And we would help them move into these buildings, and we would take a small cut of like a placement fee. Mm-hmm. And so it was a small exit, like hundreds of thousands of dollars to Apartment List, so ApartmentList.com.
0: And did you have to work in that company or no?
2: Yeah, and I quit on the first day you did, three hundred sixty-six or whatever it was. Yeah, like that last day. How
0: was that? How you know, as, as somebody who now it sounds like your whole career has been for yourself. How was that year working? So it rough? was
2: good. Like I still don't know shit. Like. I had to read books on like how to run a meeting so I I felt like I I moved to San Francisco from Tennessee I and I'm gripping Missouri I always felt really uncomfortable and out of place there but I love it now I didn't know anything like I would say things that were inappropriate I would wear stuff I wasn't supposed to wear I just felt horrible so it was good to see like what an actual business is run like Um, but I was also young I was 22 and I was partying and I didn't take it as seriously as I should have and I, I regret that big time but it was great to see
0: what was the biggest take what would you argue the one or two or three biggest takeaways were from that e- year, even though you were just part like leveling eight, like- up
2: like okay, so you guys have a great setup here, okay um you started in like a small room, I imagine yes. just like a shitty office that's right, and so just seeing like wait, I could take all these little silly things like a hot dog stand or whatever, and like properly build it out with nice offices after you get revenue and like like I need you in order to get huge as big as my ambitions were, you really need to properly approach things and be able to like have a, go up proper levels as opposed to. Have
0: you started to challenge proper? So like for example, what was funny running through my mind in uh, when you just said, you know, I read books on how to run a meeting properly. I was right. like laughing in my head because I was like, fuck man, I probably hate that book, right? Because like to me like meetings and like how the world, those proper things you're referring to see meetings and how I personally see meetings, there's a huge delta and I'm curious, how old are you now?
2: Uh, I just, I'm 30.
0: I'm curious, you know, uh, someone who also came from out of bounds and never understood proper, I always wonder, I'm always challenging myself of like what was I naturally gifted in, in an entrepreneurial and human way? What has evolved over these 22 years of operating and what have I taken on that is horseshit Because it's osmosis, yeah. No,
2: I feel you. But here in my mind, it's like this. Okay, when you play an instrument, when you learn the guitar, you don't. It's most people don't play songs of their own songs right away. They kind of copy other people and feel the texture, and they go, "Oh, I see some kind of like the the stuff that I like. I see recurring patterns. This is interesting. I can I can disregard this other stuff. So what I do is I I'll I'll usually read books. I'll, I'll read like. I'll read your guys' glass doors. I will read get other companies' glass doors. I'm like, all right, what do people say? What yep. do people, like, what's the baseline for like what is interesting? And I can you can cherry pick. But like, if, Cur- if you don't know like anything, you, it, you ha- it's easier to have like a model, and then you can know what to disregard. Yeah, but I
0: would argue that your analogy for the way you went about it, unless I'm missing something, is actually not flawed, but not exactly the same analogy because it sounds like based on your hot dog business, what you're telling me is you. Didn't play other people's music. You picked it up, started playing something, and within that micro area, it worked. Yes, I would it... also I would also argue that, you know, it's really interesting where the source of information comes from, right? So there's a lot of business books being written by people who've never run a business. Why well, I usually
2: read biographies.
0: Fair enough. Glassdoor is just anonymous reviews. Yeah, and so it goes very one, dirty it data. Goes one
2: far end or one other end.
0: That's what I mean. I mean you're at this young age where you've had these levels of successes you know, I have such empathy for where you're coming from because I'm sure I had a lot of those same feelings of like, I'm from out of bounds. I don't go to business school and things of that nature. And I remember, ironically, it's interesting for you to bring that up. I also remember kind of hitting the Silicon Valley scene and like every single person went to Stanford and Harvard. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. And I I was like, thank God for me, very different for you, that I already had such a real significant win that I was able to kind of use that. But I have so much empathy for what must have been going through your mind in that scenario. On the flip side, you're catching me at a very funny time where I would, what are we, February 24th? These eight weeks are probably my favorite eight weeks of being an operator in a long time because I decided going into this year that I was gonna go more me because I've really let the company do its thing. I'm running the company, but I've let the osmosis of like classic Executives have a lot of say over the last half decade, and I would argue that the last eight weeks have been some of the most productive weeks at VaynerMedia's history, and definitely my favorite time in the last four to years because I'm going back a little bit to hot dog with the baby arm shit.
2: Yeah, I I don't disagree. We agree. I think that, but it's still important. It was important for me to understand. How, right, because
0: you needed that context. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So like for was, like
2: my hot dog thing, I'd be like, all right, I'm just gonna pay, take this thousand dollars in cash. I'm gonna put that shit right in my pocket. Right, like. The, i'm not even gonna incriminate myself but you know what i mean
0: you're gonna um, go spend it on some dumb shit
2: well i didn't spend it on that many. no 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 i just oh
0: you got it keep going <laughs> uh
2: you know i just didn't do things right didn't do yeah. proper accounting things like I get that it. now that we have an eight figure you know we make seven figures a month it's like a good i think it could be a, a a very large company just learning how to do shit totally properly now not 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 everything needs to be proper no like no. To, to the outside world but like there are some things where, like, all right, I got to make sure I do things the right way. One hundred percent. You know, when and, things go from just and have you around. brought
0: in people? Like, is yeah. that how
2: you- Adam is our president, uh, which who I knew from high school. Um, he kind of he's he's the president runs a lot of the day to day stuff. He's a straight man. Yeah, yeah, and so I'm able to like I'm able to kind of be my wild self, and then we'll we don't always meet in the middle. Sometimes I I will st- will still go the wild route, but like there I have some proper procedures, dude. For a while, I was doing the accounting. And, not good. And I it was like, I thought cash flow and revenue were the same thing. I'd be like, guys, we got to get these people to put the money in our bank. That's not revenue. I'm not paying your quota on that. And I get it. And then you, you learn all that right stuff. You know how the, the right way to do it. That's what I'm referring to.
0: I totally understand.
2: Um, you know how it is. Like not coming from this area, it's really uncomfortable at first, but it's actually a, a uh, advantage in the end. I think. A hundred
0: thousand percent.
2: I used to have this book club called the Anti MBA. Because when I moved to San Francisco, I was so jealous of all these Stanford people. So I would create this book club and we'd meet once a week and then we'd get experts to come in and lead the discussion. And I was like, look, we just did the same thing as, as Stanford. Uh, of course. Uh, but yeah, it's really uncomfortable, I think. And, and you know how it is.
0: What are you thinking about going forward? Like, where's your mindset on, on like the next half decade, decade, next year? Like, what's as an operator, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, what's exciting you right now?
2: Um, our business is doing well. I wanna. I mean, I, I don't necessarily care about money, but I'm a I'm a runner. An old run, uh, I ran in college, and so I love having goals. I want to hit 100 million in revenue by 2025, and I'm really excited. I think there's a lot of media brands out there who operate horribly and aren't doing the right things. I think we can build a massive B2B publishing. Expl- business. Explain to me
0: on that. Like, what are, your, some hot, what are your hot takes on the...
2: I think the New York media spe- scene is horrible. Because? I, um, I think that they look at Google Analytics more than they actually talk to users and talk to customers and figure out, like, what people want and they create shit they love. They don't treat them like customers. It's just Google Analytics. It's like, oh, if we just change this headline to this, that's gonna do... It's like, well, what's that? what does that really mean? And what you're seeing now is that's actually impacting people in, uh, in the long run. This is why Barstool mm-hmm. Sports sold for with their stock just went up by 50%. Their sale price was effectively... Now like six hundred fifty million dollars, right? And Dave doesn't know shit. I bet at first about analytics. Um, oh, he was an entrepreneur. He just made stuff that people loved. Whereas a lot of the big companies, what are now big, they don't do that as much. And I think that that's gonna a huge weakness for them, and will help us.
0: So non-consumer centric, quant centric. Yeah, math. Well,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Which like you need, you can have a little bit of that, but not. They're gonna come like. Vice, what are they What are they valued at? Like two or three billion dollars?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think when you talk about Vice, you have to talk about the narrative. I mean, one of the variables in this whole game is, you know, I don't know the story, so I I can't speak to it, but my perception from the outside is some of the founders and investors in Vice did extremely well because... Yeah, I saw
2: St. Smith, Smith sitting front row of that Tyson Fury fight.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, th- that becomes, that's a very big part of VC-backed businesses over the last half decade, that will be the legacy of this 10 year window, which is what was the delta between building long term businesses, you know, how much leverage did founders have to be able to take money off the table at series B and series C levels? Was that what they were actually going for? You know, I, you know, Shane had, an, you know, again, just not knowing a lot about Vice, but one thing I definitely knew because I was in the circles of medium brands, Shane had a remarkable ability to sell. So good. You know, big brands, big, you know, big budgets. So, you know, there's so many, I, I'm with you, like so, so many like, So, here's the difference. Let's say,
2: let's say Vice posts something like on, on their social channel that says, Our top reporter's going to be here tomorrow, show up. Now, let's say Gary posts, I'm going to be here tomorrow, show up. Who's, who's going to have the most poll? Of course. Right? Yeah, it, it, they have a billion dollars or eight hundred million dollars in funding or something like that. Yep, that to me is, Did is you, my point. Have are
0: you self funded for this business?
2: We took a little bit of angel money, so yep. I had self funded it. We made mm-hmm. I made my, the first couple conferences. I made five hundred grand in profit, and I piled all that money into mm-hmm. this. Then we took um, a, small checks from Tim Ferriss, mm-hmm. the founders of NerdWallet, the founders of Bleacher Report. Um, people like that, like a very smart. People
0: that you thought could bring value. Yeah, because yeah. I was
2: like emailing smart these money. people and yeah. I would ask them questions and they're like, can I invest? I'm like, wait, you're gonna give me money and I can just text you questions whenever I want. So we did a little bit of that, smart. but no venture capital.
0: What's the uh, What's the best piece of advice you've gotten from either smart money or outside people or you consumed somewhere in the last, let's call it the last year. What's, well, just what's
2: some personal advice, please. Joe Speiser who started LittleThings.com, which eventually went out, but he's very successful. Um, he was like, I'm going to write you this check, but just know I just bought a big house in the Hamptons. It's not going to make you happy. So like he gave me that right when he gave gave us the money. Yep. Um, what are some other good advice? Um, um, Tim Ferriss has been really helpful. I mean, he's like anal retentive about his brand and about everything like that. And I, I, I think there's a little middle ground there, but like just seeing like how Strict he is with his brand, and it totally works for him, and it has made him so it's much money. It's authentically him. It's so good, and I I really respect that. Um, um,
0: Where are you at this point in your life? Between money, legacy, the process? If I said, if I said, thirty year old you right now between genuinely in your stomach, in your heart, in your gut, about how much you're driven by and how much you like, the net win is around dollars, is around being able to do your process and around legacy? How, do, how are you currently broken down between 100% of those 30?
2: Well, I don't have children yet, so maybe things will change, but I have enough that I don't have to worry for, maybe forever. Um, I find my, I thought I was really money motivated, but when you get all these like opportunities, when you get to a little bit of a level, like we'll pay you 10 grand to come here and do this or whatever, and I, just, and, I, and I found myself not wanting to do that because I'm like, oh, that sounds so boring to me. I don't want to do that. So I guess that answers the question of where I am a little bit. Um, I, would, I mean, like, one time we had um, a client do something that we thought was an asshole thing, and we fired them, and we lost a quarter of a million dollars, and I slept like a baby. So I don't think I'm as money motivated as I thought. Um,
0: Do you think that's because you checked some sort of box for yourself along the way versus twenty-year-old you? No, I what I
2: say. I think I had fuck you money when I had ten grand. Yeah, I get that. I understand. Yeah, I do know that. (laughs) Like, and then once I was like, wait a minute. I
0: still don't think I've ever been more rich than when I was doing baseball card shows at thirteen, because three thousand, four thousand dollars when you're thirteen and you came from nothing. I thought I had like a trillion.
2: I remember when I one day I sold hot dogs and I had a grip of cash. It was like a grand. A grip. Yeah, it was, it was a, just a grip. It was like we call it. I call it a grip. Let me get that grip. And it was it was because I had like a jar here where tips <laughs> and I and I had like a grand in five dollar bills and I was like, this is fucking money. It. This is it. I was I was like I, we called it hood rich, and where did you grow up again? In St. Louis, Missouri. But then I lived in Nashville, Tennessee. But I grew up with a lot of like poor people, and you know that's why I talk like this. Uh, um, but I felt- Did you
0: like it? Did you think about it?
2: So in Nashville, I lived uh, across the street from the projects and we would hang out all the time. I would- And how old were you then? 19 to 21, 18 to 21. And I would just hang out there with my buddy Rydell and we would just chill and just sit on, That was the most, I I was my happiest when I had nothing, um, which is weird, right?
0: No, I think it's it's not weird at all.
2: But- uh,
0: And what you guys talk about, just shoot like guy talk, girls, sports, just random shit or would you talk about dreams?
2: Business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he, this dude, um, had served 25 years in prison and mm-hmm. he would, we would talk about that, but just stupid stuff, but it was just, it's really fun. I, I think that when you come from not a lot, which, you know, I had a good family and everything, but when you start from, when you're trying to start on your own from scratch, you're and actually, Do you have siblings? Yeah. Yeah. I have siblings, older brother and older sister.
0: You were the youngest. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, I think when you start from not a lot, kind of, it's actually a huge advantage and you could be a lot happier. That way, um, I think if I think if you're born into a wealthy family, the likelihood of like depression might actually be higher. I think so. You know what based I
0: mean? Based on our societal norms right now, yeah. so much of my passion about like what I talk about and the content I put out is to create empathy for. It's very hard. I, you know, I get it. I grew up in it. It's very hard for somebody that doesn't have much to have empathy for somebody who's driving a BMW and has a Rolex. But, you know, based on all my readings. All my DMs, I get at this point in my life, I have so m- hundreds of thousands of interactions per m- month, year, whatever it is. It's just a lot of interactions. I see far more sadness in people that had too much than in people who had too little. I see envy in people that don't have as much. I see drive in people that don't have as much. I see resentment in people that don't have as much. I see deep lostness in people that had too much, you know? like. There's just uh, when people didn't have as much, they there is an inherent I'm going to pull myself out of this, whether it's illegal, legal. There's a drive. It's really hard to be hungry when you started fed.
2: It just is. No, and I agree. And um, I have
0: I have wealthy kids, and I think about it constantly.
2: So can, let me ask you a question. Please. that I bet a lot of people wonder, or maybe a fair bit. So you started this from nothing. Yep. I started my business from nothing. I. Saw early on, even once we got to like twenty five, thirty employees. Once it got to like ten million in revenue, I was like, I don't want to operate, or I don't want to like be the guy of this business. I want to just go start from the bottom again and start stuff within the company. That's what I prefer. Yep. You seem like you would prefer that, but you seem like you're still like the guy in charge. I do
0: both. The reason I have Team Gary is it is my little pirate ship.
2: How many people work there? Team Gary. Yeah.
0: Thirty or so. Right, feels right. So I have, my, I have my little. I have Gary V, my team Gary, uh, my K Swiss collaboration, my empathy is wine. Is that a separate entity?
2: K Swiss. No, your team Gary. No,
0: it is part of. So Vaynerchuk. how do you
2: allocate budget to that?
0: Uh, we use it as we allocate it because I have full control, and we look at it as a as two things. One, the testing ground for hypotheses that become the scalable strategies, and talent grooming and top of the funnel business awareness. We don't have to do RFPs because I'm Gary Vee. Gary Vee happened because of Team Gary. So instead of most companies that I compete with at the level that we compete at, who have enormous allocations to new business teams and spend tons of money on RFPs, we do none of that. And it amortizes out into the content engine which becomes far more strategic than spending $50,000 on a sizzle reel to try to get McDonald's to hire you. you I just walk in and say, hire us, Dick.
2: (laughs) Do you like running an 800 person company?
0: Yes. I'm an opera you know, one thing with me that is interesting, and I would argue that it is potentially a weakness because I have so much magic, back to, you know, kind of where you're going with this. Ironically, I also had a ton of operational capability. I've basically been the COO, the operating decision maker for my companies my whole life. I mean AJ played that role, but he was by nature having an eleven year younger brother. He was so capable, so it was great, but I also there was a lot of Operational conversations we had together. And so I am capable to operate, and I often debate with myself fuck, you know, even though I love it, I love it. Ultimately, I operate because I actually like operating. Um, Because I have a real interesting distinction between the sizzle and the steak that both sit within me that is me.
2: Who's your number two or number three, number four? Who's like your.
0: So at Vayner, really, my, at Vayner Media, my number two is really, I mean, it's really an interesting mix. Like your CFO? Right? Yes and no, right? Because I'm not CFO driven. You know, and listening to your stories, I get where you're coming from. Um, like, and I have a lot of that too. Like, I'm far better at literally doing something nobody else can do than balancing checkbooks. like It's just boring as fuck to me. Back to cash flow and EBITDA. I went through all those same things. I'm like, fuck this, you know? Like, um, But what I will tell you is my number two is a collective, I would argue, between Claude. Claude I always think of Claude as my number two because she's the chief hard officer, which is really HR, which I really believe is the punchline. No matter but how- She
2: creates like, the hiring roadmap?
0: Yeah, but she's also gray. She's not, she even has a number two in Jen Russo. Like she herself is kind of like more you and me than she is a straight person, but I think that's exactly right for HR. HR is a function of humanity. Same way you cynically, properly by the way, cynically look at all the Google Analytics media companies, that's how I think about HR. I don't give a fuck about fucking hiring structure. I care about humanity. I don't care about fucking all the stuff we're supposed to do for the states that we're in, though we have to do that so we don't get sued and become liable. But what I care about is Claude knowing what fucking is on I sat down with Seth, I'm looking right at him right now. I had, four, I had something cancel, I see Seth on the fucking floor and I literally was like, Seth come into my office and we have a 10 minute talk about Seth's life. This is real life, this happened a week ago. Right Seth? Like That's what I'm about. Right? And I, I, I don't want to speak for Seth, it's probably hard for me to ask you within being in the room, but I have a funny feeling Seth's relationship with VaynerMedia is better today than it was a week and a half ago because we got to have that talk, clarity and roadmap. That's how you build a big, your, your game is not gonna be, like at real scale, when I hear the level of ambition, of 100 million by 2025. One, I personally get scared about that. I like people who, first of all, you know yourself. I'm not a runner, thus it makes sense to me, but I'm always inherently always nervous because I'm like, don't put that extra pressure on you. you know. Like, but to your point, you know how to motivate yourself, you do you. Number two, my belief is no matter how remarkable the two of you are on kind of like the, the sizzle and the steak, that the most important variable to get to a hundo is HR.
2: Okay, so you have your HR person report to which both of you
0: might be remarkable at. I just don't know.
2: He's very good at it. I believe you. Recruiting
0: understood Um, makes sense.
2: So you have hunting farming. Yeah, so you have um, Claude.
0: Claude, then Mark Yudkin, our general counsel, far outseeds that title. He's far more of a COO. He's been here from basically day one. He was my personal lawyer when I invested in Twitter and Facebook and he's like, this kid must be right and I recruited him and we had a general counsel long before I thought it was appropriate but I just knew he was right and I was like, fuck it, I'll get there eventually. And. Good because he's been a or whatever the fuck you call those things, and a and a general counsel, and and is evolving more and more into COO life. Marcus krasastic who's my my brother's best friend since first grade, started here. Should have never worked at Vayner, but the economy collapsed. And he was a super bright kid and had like nothing but finance offers, but like he's an EQ kid. It turns out and was smart enough to come here and just intern. And he's my chief of staff. He's a quote-unquote number two. I would argue that, and and Alan would agree with me. Alan probably falls more into a number three as a CFO. I'm just basically I'm on the hyperbole, not hyperbole. I'm in the real life of pay the bills, invest, pay the bills, invest. It's all in perpetuity. So I'm not looking to extract too many dollars out of the business at this point in my life because I can afford to, and so I want to build a machine that um that you know my admin team Alex Lou Max my admin team is a real factor in my life back to the joke we made before here like for everybody's listening i sat down and was like all right excited to be on your podcast. He looked at me he's like, "Motherfucker, I'm on yours." I'm like, "Oh shit. Like that's how I am." We'll publish an art, you know? on our channel. If I'm you want sure to you them. will, but I but I don't I don't need you to. I, I but it was a great insight for you of like how high level I'm really playing it. Cuz it really ultimately doesn't matter. Like the context I needed for here, as you could see in the way I mean I know enough. I know enough from afar. I know enough of like right I know how to bring the most value to you and to my audience. So like I like I don't spend time on things that I don't need to spend time on.
2: So we have um we have this thing we launched trends. It's pretty cool, where yep. we where we do. Uh, uh, we basically uncover interesting opportunities. So it makes
0: a, a ton of sense.
2: Yeah. So it, it, it's a pay. It basically, it's like. A, a I've pay, seen them.
0: I've seen the model my whole life.
2: It's a paid newsletter with a group and community, and we're gonna scale up like Political Pro, whatever. Um, and the point with trends right now is we're uncovering cool opportunities. So we'll do like a case study on a cool company. Like right now, I'm writing one just on the hotel industry. I think there's a lot of opportunities in hotels, and we'll kind of break down the financials. I love that. Or we'll. Um, we have technology that crawls the web and find things that are fast-growing. Like, for example, people are, s- are searching for ways to sleep better more than they're searching for meditation stuff. I'm aware. And so we just will uncover that and talk about what it means and it's who's cool. exploiting that opportunity. And one of the things that we talk about on that and on our podcast is just like the real, like the economics of different things, uh, of different businesses and how they operate. Uh, how many employees do you guys have?
0: We have almost 900.
2: Okay, shit. So what I'm curious about and I think a lot of people might be, is when, so we took, I made about $400,000, $500,000 in profits from the conference. That's what I used to fund our advertising business. Now those made a lot of profits, which fund, uh, fund this thing and that thing. And So that's our funding route. How were you guys able to scale to 800 people? Did you, have any, did you get a, a line of credit?
0: No, we, we got a free conference room the size of this. So that was our first overhead. Me and AJ didn't take any salary. AJ needed to, AJ saved money from eBay in high school and college. I had, I was in an interesting spot. I didn't own Wine Library. The part of my narrative a lot of people don't realize is in family businesses you don't pay, like almost every employee made as much if not more than me so i was you know my, my in my 20s i was making 42 57 63 so the last couple of years i got up to a, a little around 100 but i lived in new york and right before Vayner started i took all my liquid and invested in facebook twitter and tumblr
2: can you reveal, reveal how much
0: yeah like two how much did i put in like two twenty, forty seven, and seventy one. So somewhere in the ballpark of, I had a, in, in my whole life, I'd been able to save about four hundred thousand bucks because I paid like eight nine hundred dollars in rent, and I worked eighteen hours a day. And went, and you put
2: all four hundred into those. All cars. of it. It's fucking crazy.
0: It was crazy, but if you think about how big of a win it, it's kind of like sports cards right now. So like this sports card thing is really
2: funny. Like we I, just covered those auctions on Trends, actually. I love that heritage auctions. Yes, w- growing and like crazy, crazy.
0: And if like LeBron rookies have gone up from a thousand, like like it's really funny. I think a lot of people think I'm talking about sports cards right now because like they know my narrative that I grew up with them. But I also try to remind my closest friends who are like calling me now and be like, yo, especially as they see the videos of like me and April saying buy LeBron at 1,000, now it's 4,500. You know, buy Giannis for 180, now it's 1,500. Buy Luca for 35, now it's 280. Like, now I've got like the receipts and it's happened within six months and everyone's like, wait a minute, is there something actually coming here? And I told my friends, I'm like, look, I've been passionate about sports cards since I was 11. I also haven't said a word about them for 20 years. So it's really happening. The reason I bring that up is, this is one of the first things I've seen that is so unbelievably obvious to me that I did the same thing that I did with uh, investing, which is if it's 100%, not 99. If it's 99, I'm an immigrant, and I'm gonna hold 50% back. But if it's 100, and you two, excuse me, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr were 100% to me, and that became, that was right.
2: So that crushed it.
0: We sold an $84,000 campaign to a guy that I went to a basketball game with who was a Wine Library customer who invited me because he was a huge collector, and literally in the second quarter of this boring Nets game in the old stadium in Jersey, he goes, so what are you up to? I was like, actually, because I felt, I hadn't told anybody, I was like, actually my brother's about to graduate in two months, and I'm going to start a business with him, and I'm probably going to spend, you know, I'm going to, you know what I said, I know what I said to him. I'm like, I'm going to be 150%. Don't worry, I'm going to be 100% on Wine Library because it's my big customer, but I'm going to put a lot of effort into building this company with my brother. And he's like, and turns out that he was in marketing, and he had this big campaign for Gillette starting around when, before AJ graduated. Our first campaign was before AJ graduated. It was like this bullshit influencer Twitter campaign in Vegas for Gillette's Razors and they paid us $84,000 which I thought was like a trillion. Especially compared to what we did. I tried to get them to do like 94 smart things. They're like, no, just take some photos here. I'm like, all right. Nonetheless, that 84,000 is the funding.
2: That's pretty crazy to me because with our business, I mean, we haven't taken a lot of funding but I still am like, how close do we, we do? We want to run run our margins, and then but you have to like put money up for rent, right? So in San Francisco, well, and here you got to put you know your deposit and. Well, it's
0: and- funny, right? Like you know we have a lot of jobs we're putting out there at like you know forty and fifty, and people are like, "How can you live in New York?" They like yell at me, and I'm like, by not living in Manhattan, by not buying seven dollar Starbucks, by not taking Uber instead of the train, like you could do anything, like you know to your point you saw, you know you were in a little bit of a different place you were in that world you made a couple hundred you made some money on that exit you were also in the cocoon of fun you were in San Francisco cocoon
2: yeah well now most of our people are in Austin
0: exactly like you know you from mentality of St. Louis and Nashville and you know you as the person that was living in a cocoon of San Francisco like there's you can do anything if you're willing to not be entitled if you're willing to be practical, this is this is where Americans get caught with immigrants all the time. How can how can this happen? Very easy. Like you live humbly as fuck, you save money, and you then deploy that money. It's not super complicated. You did it. I did it. My dad definitely did it. And like a billion fucking people have done it in America over the last hundred years. It's that people are impatient and insecure, um, and so the yeah. I mean, that's how we did it. And like so, were you running? We didn't pay rent for the first two and a half years of the company.
2: Were you guys running? You, so your bank, you guys are running on a, a slim bank balance even for a couple of years.
0: Yes and no. We didn't pay rent again because I bartered. I asked. Like you know, I already had a little street cred because of my wine business, so I was able to use me a little bit. So that's true.
2: I just think that when you have like 300 employees, it's like shit. Like if- yeah,
0: but at, by that point we had a, you know at 300 employees we were doing you know 87 million dollars in revenue. Like you know at that point you're balancing. But yeah, I mean. It's also not, you know what it comes down to, and I'm curious how you think about this, and I hope you've been able to hold on to this because it'll make you unstoppable. I'm also super, like I'm actually secretly excited about a headline in the New York Times that says VaynerMedia lays off half of its staff after the recession, because if I made the wrong decisions of saving, which won't happen, but if I did, I'd still be okay with it. Here's why. <laughs> Edmonton, what is up? March 26th, finally. I am coming through to Edmonton it hasn't been this crunk since Gretzky was on the ice Edmonton Canada March 26th me giving the keynote Q&A with you the state of the union of entrepreneurship marketing and business information below i hope to see you there i deserve it i made the mistake i like being accountable i'm really into accountability i really think it needs to get like super cool Alex, do me a favor, text uh, Andy Kay right now and tell him I want it accountable as fuck. Hoodie made immediately, I want to wear it. See if he can get it to me this afternoon. Accountable as fuck. In the same way, I apologize, I just want to say this, like in the same way that I think kindness and empathy and patience needed to be a bigger part of the formula of entrepreneurship, which is why I've talked about it a lot more, I think accountability, like, I, I just wish that every entrepreneur, back to your point, razor thin margins, what does that mean? You can get caught. If you're okay with getting caught and paying the ramifications, you win. If you're not, as you know, and I've been listening to you on this interview, people creating exits in media land, creating exits that look like it's an exit, you know it wasn't an exit, they sold their assets for a penny on the dollar, but they, wanted, they didn't have the guts to say we shut down, so they sold early, right? People are not willing to be uncomfortable. I'm willing to put my own cash back into VaynerMedia if I fucked up. I'm willing to have to let go of ten percent of worst employees at Vayner if nine of our clients fire us. Like shit changes. Things well, happen. I do
2: these exercises and I tell Adam about it all the time. I just do these exercises all the time where I'm like, if this business goes out a business tomorrow, I'll be i fi- am I'm gonna be I'll be fine.
0: You know why? Because you will be fine.
2: Right. And so that's what I and I do that exercise all the time. Because I so remember good. when we first started, Love I'm like, that. Man, if this oh my, my personality is so tied up in this. But then it now it's like if we go away tomorrow, I'll be just as happy. I would, And leave. that kind of, like, when you predict your downside, that means you have no downside then, and it's only upside. And so that's kind of how we discuss it.
0: I've said it a billion times, and I'll say it again. I want to lose everything, have everybody shit on me, say that I was a farce the whole time, see how everybody else was better than me, I was the joke, see, make fun of all the people that bought into me, all that, and then just rise back up and fucking tell everybody to go fuck themselves. Like, I'm into that shit.
2: Yeah, I mean it's really helpful because it definitely it's, it's freeing.
0: It's it's unbelievably freeing.
2: It's very freeing.
0: What else is exciting for you to talk about? What else is on your mind? What else do you think will bring value to the people listening? What's been what's been a, actually let me ask it this way. What's been something that you feel your readers, which I'm sure overlap very heavily with this audience and I'm sure plenty of them read already, have been really hot on? Uh, what's been like what did you guys put out? You're like, fuck, we knew it, and yeah, they really are hot on it.
2: Well, I, I, I want to talk specific business things that, that we're, we're going over, so like different ideas and concepts, and I mean, I'm, I'm really bullish on um, a bunch of things, but first, one thing that we get, we speak a lot about is focus, um, and this is a little fluffy, so we don't have to spend too much time on it, but uh, when you get to a certain point, you have the ability to do a lot of different things, so I have invested in a ton of shit, so, but now I'm like, oh fuck, I gotta, can't pay attention to that real estate deal, can't pay attention to this, I really need to focus on only this thing and maybe one other thing. Um, What's your criteria for saying no and saying yes?
0: Complete intuition every time, and when I say yes to things outside the core Veiner X, I always treat it as it goes to zero, but I know that I need it because I need to get my entrepreneurial nut off.
2: So so what's that mean then?
0: That means that I need to absolutely make that $50,000 investment or do that thing um, to, Make the whole machine work, aka the twenty-five percent of the things I'm doing that make no sense and stretch me too thin, are actually the thing that gives me sanity and happiness, which allows the seventy-five percent of the Vayner focus to actually run at one hundred fifty percent.
2: So empathy wines is one of them. Yes, and so that's your twenty-five percent.
0: It's one of them. I mean, look, I, you know, I'm a funny guy. I talk a lot. I, I talk a lot about. A lot of things, and I don't talk about some of the best things about me, like who I am as a human, in like the deep, like what Alex knows, not what you guys know. Uh, my nonprofits, I don't, and my board work there, I don't talk about that. I also don't talk about my single biggest exit. I, I co-founded and co-created Resi, the restaurant app. Like literally, me and Ben Leventhal over dinner, came up with the idea. I they were incubated at VaynerMedia uh, when the company was in a bad moment. I personally put money in. Uh, I Spent a lot of social uh, capital getting uh, Danny Meyer and Steve Ross definitely, deeply involved. I, ben and Mike Montero are absolutely the drivers of that business but like I am easily the birth father and the third player in that story. It's a hefty nine figure exit to Amex and I have a funny feeling that 93% of the people that just heard this story heard it for the first time. Case was sold nine months ago. There is no confusion to why. I barely mentioned it. I just tweeted about it this week and everyone's like, oh, congrats. Uh, uh, so, I need those things to make me sane. They've also led to a ton of big wins. The Resi win covers every potential loss I have.
2: Yeah, that's sold to Airbnb?
0: It sold to, um, no, Airbnb was an investor though. It sold to Amex,
2: American and it Express. it was good?
0: It was extremely good. Hefty nine figures. No shit? No shit. Wow.
2: Congratulations.
0: So, so you know, I think that, um, I have to do a better job of like communicating some of those things too, because- Did
2: you we guys raise money for that?
0: We did, we did. Um, first from Vayner, Vayner RSC, my fund incubated it. So-, so you,
2: that was, you got a double win then.
0: I got a double win. I got a triple win because I put personal money in when it needed it. So, but the reality is, is that, um, I think when I hear you say that, I have a lot of empathy for you because I have a funny feeling we cross over in a lot of ways. I would tell you that don't overlook at it from a black and white standpoint, because to your point, I mean, there's so many things. You know, when you come from nothing, like when people email me and say, Gary, bad news, you know, really sorry. You know, but the investment you wrote into my company is going to zero. We're shutting down the doors. But don't worry, I learned a lot. I get pissed. I'm like, fuck you, motherfucker. Like $50,000, $100,000 is a ton of money to me. Like it doesn't matter how much I make any, I earned that. I bled for that. I bled for that shit. So, you know, I think that, Um, but I also would say to you on the flip side, I'm sure what you're realizing is some of those checks you wrote, you're gonna, You when you wrote it, you imagined how much you were gonna help that thing to success and now you may never talk to that founder.
1: Yeah. And
0: I think that happened to me and the way I look at it now, A, I changed my behavior a little bit. B would, what do you mean what I stopped investing as much and would invest where I thought by accident I could help. Just by maybe you know, when you build a brand too, your name can help. I have absolutely invested when I believed in something and believed in the person and knew that my investment would help them raise more money. So I've thought a lot about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, think it, I think all those micro losses is why I'm gonna macro win. I need it. I'm an artist. I'm creative by nature. I need it.
2: So you wanna talk about some interesting things that we've been going over on? Please. On, in the hustle and on trends that I think you'll enjoy ripping on? Please. Okay, so you guys, uh, Vayner had a real estate conference, right? Yes. How'd that go? Financially?
0: Financially, it went well. Where, where it was vulnerable was these- I heard you
2: said something stupid too you in trouble.
0: No, I didn't get to say anything stupid. I still believe in it. I said that. Sorry,
2: I, you know, I don't mean stupid. I mean you didn't hurt clutch. my feelings. So I
0: know what you meant. Um, three things. One, right, so to your point on that. One, it was Agent 2021. 20, it was run 100% by Kim Garcia. I always knew that Kim might not stay long-term, and so there was, the, the vulnerability was, unlike anything else I do at VaynerMedia, there was no backup to Kim going on in her career, which is why we didn't do it this year. Uh, As far as the backlash, I'll triple down on it right now.
2: Which I agree with you.
0: A stunning amount of people overextend themselves on their first house purchase just to say they bought a home. Everybody almost maximizes their down payment, which eliminates cash flow. Uh, Almost everybody buys a home that's too big for them and has an extra bedroom or living room that they never use and i think for people that are entrepreneurial and are trying to grow happiness and business capabilities that they need to rethink their buying home strategy and lean into more renting so that they have the liquid to go on the offense so they can then buy a home at 39 or 57 or never so i believe in that and then so the industry took that as you know gary says never buy a home and I love that. My sister's a real estate agent. I thought it, I still I believe in a triple. And when I tell you, I give no fucks to the backlash of people that have financial vested interest in people buying homes for themselves, not having empathy for the person that buys the home. Then go fuck themselves.
2: So this next conference of yours sounds like it's going to go great.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean the the, conf, the conference is easy, right? Like the conference like is is easy. But that for, was a
2: good business for you guys.
0: It was an okay business. We made we made six figures on both executions through sponsorships and ticket sales. I, lo- I love the events business.
2: Yeah, so let's talk about it. So, so I did a big case study. I, I studied uh, the top five companies. You know there's a company called Informa. You know Informa? I do. I love Informa. It's a $15 billion market cap. Their, their uh, margins are sig- significantly larger than a lot of these huge tech companies, uh, like Atlassian and things like that, who I compare them to. Um, I mean, they could do three or four billion dollars a year in trade show revenue with like a forty percent net income margin. Fat and specifically, I think there, But and and there's some lacking in the construction uh, field um, and a few other industries. But I, I love the trade show industry. I love it. I think it, I think there's a huge opportunity there. Um, what were you, and what were you saying about why you love them?
0: Because they're highly profitable, and humans will continue to interact. That everyone's attention is on scalable tech, not humanity and non-scalable shit like that. And at scale, you can you can really do damage.
2: Yeah, but a lot of people don't realize it um, because it seems kind of unsexy. It's not interesting. Well, that's
0: that's. I mean, bro, every single one of my friends made fun of me for starting VaynerMedia. It's a client service business. They didn't, they, and I, to your point, back to like why I would never judge somebody that wants to do a hundo in 2025. You know how you navigate by being a runner. That gives me a lot of insight. Actually gives me a lot of insight on me. I never compete with myself. I don't run or whatever. Though I was pumped, I did break my jumping, uh, my jump rope record uh, this Saturday Sunday with Mike on how many I can do in 12 minutes. But nonetheless, I would tell you that non-sexy businesses right now that have true business fundamentals are by far the most interesting thing.
2: What else is more interesting then? Sports cards,
0: I'm sorry to bring it up again. All my friends are like, this is stupid, it's all gonna go tech. I'm like, cool, I really don't think so. Like physical things are not going away okay, from our society.
2: How, so then what, where are the opportunities? Through uh, exchange, uh, marketplaces?
0: Yeah, somebody's gonna build a true, you know, there's something called ComC. there's a company running around right now raising capital, that's a true Merkle exchange type thing where you never take any of the cards, you short, you, you, you buy futures. Yes, I also think sports like music is a fundamental pillar, like I love history. The Romans' biggest events were people fucking fighting each other, like boxing and fighting a lion and whatever the fuck, but like this is never going away and I think that if you look at culture, look at look at all of us right now. There's a lot of young professionals in this room. I'm gonna call myself young. The way we're dressed, like every person here doing the same thing we're doing right now in 1974 looks totally different. The casual nature, the culture nature, and I think art is f- not this generation's favorite thing, though there's cool art and there's a lot of fun things and I'm actually in an art business I like a lot called Iconic, but yeah, I-
2: Yeah, the, the posters. Uh huh.
0: I'm a very big fan that because of sneaker culture, and because of urban culture, that I think that sports cards are about to become the next art. And so like a lot of what I'm buying, whether it's Colin Kaepernick, which is cultural, not what he can do on the field, because he's probably not gonna be on the field again, or, or basketball, soccer, wrestling cards, like I think they're the next art.
2: What's I, another place, another way you'd attack that market?
0: Um, shovels and picks. Yeah. Right? Because I'm just, tra- you know, back to the way you asked that question, the more thoughtful business, the one that I have less interest in, but where the bigger economics are is the infrastructure around it. Uh, let's just parlay our two conversations. The core event is called The National. It's the biggest sports card show. How big is it? I don't know. You know who owns it? I do not, um, but I can tell you since I've been to the last two, it's, it's great and it's part of the hobby's tradition, but there's clearly opportunity, and I don't know on the comp of Comic-Con if the people that originally owned it then just became what it became today. I would love that for the family that's been in it on the national, but either them or a competitor coming in clearly has an opportunity to create an events business that is going to matter, because you can see the energy like regional shows are so mom and pop, I mean it's exactly what you think they look like, but there's a place for it to go pop culture. Um, there's grading companies. The whole industry is built on the That's grading. That's badass. I would are,
2: go, I would go in that you, route. You know,
0: that PSA is a publicly traded company that uh, I think the stock has done well recently. There's right there. starting the IP company, they're starting the next brand, Upper Deck, Tops, Fleer. PSA? PSA is the grading company. There's three good grading, there's three leaders in grading. SGC, PSA. What's like a Moody's? What's a
2: Moody's? Uh, for stocks. I don't know. What's a Moody's? Moody's. Um, what's another the baseline? W- they 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 give you like the the A AAA <sighs> a rating. I, the ratings company. Yeah, this
0: is a this is a little bit more flawed. It's human. It's like appraisal on how good the card. There's a lot of uh, anxiety of this business because there's people that try to trim cards or alter cards, authenticity. Like it's humans grading. That's awesome.
2: I like that business. Um,
0: there's being an IP company right now. Panini and Tops own all the rights, but. You could start a new company or buy one of the old brands and then get the rights from the NBA, or the or the MLB. So there's the IP renting company, kind of like ESPN and and Fox get the rights for the leagues. That's how sports cards work. There's the expansion. I've been thinking a lot about creating hip hop cards. Like you know, what would happen if you went into a new arena, and created cards? Uh, Pokemon and Magic the Gathering haven't even started the process of, they're already ridiculously expensive, but that age group is younger. That was the 90s generation cards, whereas the 80s was sports. So there's non-sports cards. Um, There's a a lot of variables.
2: So I'm gonna have our analysts and our team go and and write that up. Please,
0: and I'll give a ton of exposure. I've heard from a lot of people the quality of your guys' work is really good. So if you're gonna go really deep and do it, I know it on surface level, intuition, and like little parts, but like some of the data, like. I don't know if there's been a single better thing to invest in in the last year than sports cards, including crypto, anything good that has happened in crypto, cannabis, stock. Like, we're talking about 20, 30, 40X return in six and nine months, liquid. Like, one thing that you know that sucks about angel investing is you're locked.
2: Yeah, for eight years, 10 years. Right,
0: I mean, you bought, you know, I bought 53 of them, I wish I bought 500 of them. You buy 53 LeBrons last spring, I'm talking eight months ago for a thousand. They're fucking forty five hundred right now, and and there's demand. The reason are the young
2: people buying it or older? Everybody.
0: It's just happening. I'll tell you who's buying. My generation that now has wealth that's going back to their childhood nostalgia always works. They're eight year olds, so the kids of the core group, gamblers. The amount of gambling culture in sports is heavy. Daily fantasy, actual betting, prop betting. You've seen all that explosion. Well, guess what? Like, if you know sports, another way to gamble is to put it into players you believe in. Uh, and then sneaker flipper kids. The, into- the enormity of that industry that has been massively disrupted by StockX and IPOs, you can't go to the sneaker store anymore and hire 80 of your high school friends to stand in line, get the Yeezys, bring them back, give them 10 bucks each, and then go make real money.
2: That's, yeah, that's wild. I've enjoyed watching that thing. Um, what's another industry that uh, has been exciting you? One, one that I that I'm DTC
0: in. brands that are not VC backed, slow and steady. I'm gonna build a 39 million dollar t-shirt business, gum business, honey business, but I'm not gonna do it like Casper. Or had, outdoor voices. You correct. See that? I didn't see it yet.
2: Uh, the CEO had a step down. I don't know if it's fire or step down. Okay, how much did they? How much did they raise? Do you know? Yeah, they raised uh, like lost. 40 or 50 million dollars. So <laughs> million this this. They raised $50 million or something, the revenue was only 49, and they were losing $2 million a month. I've got a friend that has a, ra- a business that sells dog ramps that does 3 million a month in revenue with nothing. I mean, it's crazy how Brother, much
0: This is the whole theme of this whole conversation. It's why I pressed early on. The more we don't become like it, the more likely we're gonna be super all right. Hot dog you is the best version of you. And I think that that is what we're on the dawn of. I think a lot of what I'm talking about, do you, know what's, do you understand the utter carnage on an, if this coronavirus thing continues its momentum, let, let there be no confusion. I don't know when we're airing this, I assume this week, next week, so it's not gonna be too far, but like, as of this morning, the mo-
2: Spain Spain, sh- people in Spain are being shut, or Milan are being shut down.
0: I'm, again, I'm headline reading, so I'm talking out of my ass and not out of my ass. I just had a breakfast, I look up, all red, CNBC, coronavirus, I had a friend hit me up over the weekend saying like, hey, this in America, this is a little bit weirder than you think, this is who my uncle is, I'm like, oh, that's weird. Wait, wait, like, wait what's that mean? Just said, hey, this is more serious in America than you think, and you'll be finding out in the next hundred days. Oh, because and I'm not knew. a big conspiracy theorist, so putting that out there, I hope I scared nobody, but like, I'm just sharing. like where I'm going is whether it's fucking coronavirus or the inevitable economic downturn nobody's building real businesses anymore you know that all of Silicon Valley and New York to your point nobody's building actual businesses
2: yeah I think it's crazy that these people raise money for some of these D2C brands it's crazy
0: it's because they can there's so much money in the system
2: Yeah, there's too much money in the system and they don't realize they'll get way richer by not doing that
0: they just, they, they like the perception of success versus actual success.
2: Because it's actually incredibly cheap to do this.
0: The perception, it also, brother I'll tell you this though, it's time we talk about entrepreneurship and talent. You and I got lucky in the fucking DNA game. It is not so easy, like, to, it, I understand what you're saying and I say it too, let's flip it around. It's actually super hard to build a sustainable business where you're not being fucking trust funded. All these startups are trust funds.
2: But I always tell people, I'm like, intellectually, it's not that hard. Emotionally, it's it's super challenging. And a lot Life. of people- and, and they can't just balance. You get, Good unlike, news,
0: nothing's complicated inte- intellectually. This is all emotion. People right. people don't have the stomach for losing and judgment.
2: Yeah, I mean, starting these DSC brands, like I know a bunch of people doing it. I'm like, this is really not that You'll hard. Appreciate you gotta be able to, you be able to stay ready? balanced.
0: What's more fun for 99% of the people listening and the world right now? Hey, go raise money and look like you're killing it and have CO in your Instagram title and have money to go spend because you're paying yourself enough and all this stuff or eat dog shit for four and a half years to build a foundation to maybe get to that same exact place but you're on stable ground and then you can start the process and maybe in eight years it can look good. The end. Who the fuck is gonna pick eight years over eight minutes? One percent. Which is why that one percent's about to win big.
2: Is there anything else you like? I'm 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 fascinated by the whole uh, psychedelic thing.
0: Oh, that's so obvious to me. Like the whole Aubrey and Ferris and all that circles.
2: I'm yeah. huge on it. Men's makeup. Men's makeup what? Men's makeup. You, can you write that down?
0: Me, I know we're wrapping. I know everyone's trying to get us to wrap up. We're having too much fun. I got a real hot take. Not short term. Sports card's short term. Um, Wait,
2: talk about psychedelics though.
0: What I can tell is that this psychedelics are only repressed. Because of done stigma, them? no.
2: I, mean, I don't even. I don't drink. I've I do not even drugs. smoked a
0: cigarette. Like I'm uh, yeah. super weird, you drink? but yeah, I drink wine. Um, but I've been drunk like five times.
2: I'm I'm completely sober, and yeah. I love that. But I still love that thing.
0: Yeah, me too. Because I don't have feelings and opinions when it comes to business. Would you do them? I probably wouldn't because my mom Nancy Reagan me out too much. It's a framework for me. But I'll say this: I'll never say never. Like I'm willing to do whatever the fuck I need to do at any point. It's just not in my framework. On the flip side. I'm also way too grateful and thankful of my mental happiness, and I would be lying if I didn't tell you that I'd be scared to alter something. Or, you know, a lot of people do it because it finds a dimension that works for them. I'm like, my current state is working for me. I don't want to open up something and be like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and like, broke. you know, yeah, like, like, don't fix, yeah. But if I wasn't mentally happy, I'm open for everything, everything's in play. Have
2: you heard of MDMA therapy? No. I think it's it's awesome. Tucker Tucker Max has told, he's one of our investors. Yep. He's, he because t- I go to therapy and I used to take antidepressants. He was like, dude, do this. I've been on this medication for years and I did this thing, I feel way better.
0: Anything that helps people get off medication is something intuitively in my gut. Not, I'm not a doctor, I don't know, like I'm sure there's plenty of medicines that matter, um, but I'm always pumped. Knowing enough about the business of pharma in America, I'm always pumped if people can find a different way. But, back to psychedelics. Uh, and like and uh, sexual experimentation, like what you're seeing right now, is a mature, practical version of what you saw in the '60s. And I think it's a game of stigma.
2: What's an example of? Uh, what's an example? Well, there? I think
0: you know when I think about my friends in Silicon Valley who talk about you know psychedelics and things of that nature, inevitably in that same dinner, it gets into alternative sexual relationships and so
2: like an open like
0: open marriages in a more progressive way than open marriages, or that's, like.
2: I would never, I don't think I could ever do that. That's yeah, it's so, not for it's, me either, but like, what, but I don't
0: like imposing my, like what I think makes me successful in these talks is I never impose my will or opinion on what will happen. Sure. All my friends that are like, fuck, how did you, I got TikTok wrong. It's like, and whether TikTok disappears tomorrow or not, there's incredible money being made in the TikTok infrastructure. And that's what we're talking about, business in this narrow way. And I'm, they're like, why are you always right? I'm like, because I don't impose my opinion. You're because I'm talking to these inner circle friends, I'm like, you said it was stupid for you. You said that because you're insecure. You have 800,000 followers on Instagram and you don't want to start over. You're doing what Tila Tequila and Dane Cook did with MySpace. You're doing what all my homies on Twitter did about Instagram. You now are doing that to Instagram. You're so set in your thing and you've got clout, you don't want the world to reset. I only want the world to reset because I don't actually value my clout. I value learnings and impact. It's a huge deal. So well, psychedelics, real quick to finish this off and then jump in with your, your helps. Psychedelic stigma is gonna go away which is then gonna make people feel comfortable to do it and I have a very deep intuitive feeling that it is the medicine or whatever the fuck you wanna call it that's gonna help a fuckload of people who have not been able to find their alternative in Advil or in therapy or in much harder core medicine and that excites the shit out of me. I want way more happiness in the world.
2: Um, Do we have time for one more or no? Go ahead, go ahead. Is there anything else that's exciting you?
0: DTC, sports cards, um, live, it's funny, we've talked about it, live events, DTC and sports cards. Practical DTC, because it's there, but you can't take funding, 10 years, not 10 minutes. Sports cards, I'm obsessed. Live events, up obsessed. For, for the
2: DDC, is there any particular products you're your fascinated, your categories? Ev- every
0: single thing that's sold in a store is vulnerable to DDC.
2: What I like to do is just look at Procter & Gamble, everything they sell, you just throw a dart at it.
0: Every, <laughs> better than that, and I like what you did because Procter's the leader, but like, take it all. Anything that's sold in a store.
2: Just Target, just walk around Target. Anything. Yeah.
0: And that then tells every entrepreneur, because I know a lot are listening right now, sell what you love. Like, if you love blueberry jam, fucking make that brand back to you saying it's easy, it has never been easier to be like, I love peanut butter and jelly, for real. For real, I love it. It's never been easier on earth. And I mean, the delta is like a billion to zero on starting a peanut butter and jelly brand if you take a 10 year window. If you take a 10 year window, let me tell you real life instead of this VC shit. And I know we're late, but fuck it, I'm pumped right now. If you sell dumb shit in your house, I don't have money, Gary, good. You have stuff in your house. You're, like, most Americans have stuff. Even like people that aren't making a lot of money have fucking stuff.
2: At least a $1,000 of crap.
0: Yes, and if you don't, I'll teach you, and I keep teaching people, I'll teach you how to take 30 bucks and turn it into 1,000. I fucking did in Trash Talk episode three. It was called $20 of Olympic pins for over 1,000. Real life, real talk. Do you have the humility to go garage-sailing? That's the question. Do you have humility to go to dollar store and walk out and while everybody is at that Whole Foods and sees you walking out with bags from the dollar store? People don't like judgment. Do you have the humility, when you don't have a car, to go pick up something on Craigslist and take the fucking bus and sit with a lamp on your lap? Like Well, why wouldn't
2: you want to do that? That's sounds fun.
0: Because it's easier for people mentally to complain and blame than to take on accountability. Accountable as fuck. Tell them I want it this afternoon, Alex. So nonetheless, If you can get 20,000 bucks by eating shit for a year and grinding, then you can then take that $20,000 to develop early stage peanut butter and jelly brand, early stage Instagram and TikTok ads, and early stage, early stage, early stage, AKA 10 years. But in 10 years, if you're 32, could you imagine being able to quit your job at 42 that you fucking hate and are dying inside and do a business around your singular thing. Your singular thing. I'm talking. Everybody needs to hear this. This is Crush of 2008. it 2008. I was right. It's real. Like people are still not doing it. Fuck where you see the opportunity because you read the hustle and, and trends and you're like, fuck. There's not. That's great. And by the way, you might be like me. By the way, me. I'm a business nerd. I can get fired up about anything.
2: Yeah, we just like to nerd out right. on that stuff.
0: But if you're fucking hardcore t- toothpaste, like you like like it. You like buy different brands. You're intrigued by it it's vulnerable if you're like hardcore skiing like like and video work like go become the person that fucking does content on ski mountains it's real it's fucking real but you have to think of it in 10 years because anybody who thinks it's real thinks you have to raise money everybody thinks you have to raise money now it's fucking broke, bro. It's
2: never been cheaper. Maybe if you live in San Francisco, but I always tell people, I go, go to, move to so New don't, Mexico. So don't live
0: in fucking San Francisco you Go then. to New Mexico. Yeah. Go to Missouri. That's right, bro. <laughs> no, for real.
2: Whenever I, when BuzzFeed and Vox were doing their thing, I was tweeting, I was like, move your offices to St. Louis. <laughs> You'll be profitable. Anyway, bro, I um, really, I really thank appreciate you for having the me. Um, we have um, the hustle and trends and all that, but we also have this cool podcast that where I was talking to your guy. We're going to be close and beating you in the numbers. That's my goal. Makes me happy. No, I'm just be a hard time. No,
0: I'm not on a hard time. I'm some real shit. You know, to, to the gr- Kobe Bryant was the most competitive iconic figure in our culture, and when he tweeted a congrat last tweet couldn't be more symbol. Symbolic. LeBron. That's right, and that's who. That's who I am. Nothing makes me happier than when entrepreneurs on merit outwork, out-succeed me because that's the game. Either you love the game or you
2: don't. So the, the, these last five minutes when we were just riffing on interesting opportunities, what we do is we just research all of them and we just riff on them. And we have experts come in sometimes. It's called My First Million. If you ever want, if you're in San Francisco and ever want to come on it, what, like I said, well, similar reaches this. It out. Come and do it. I'm happy to do it. Thanks, Thanks for, for being having on. me.
0: daily on uh, our favorite reviews so dean take it away which were our favorites this week
1: thanks gary today's reviews thank you and gary provides rockstar information written in by tyler mc96 and just a dude 13 say the podcast is amazing great energy and extremely positive even when talking about things that people do negatively impact their life thank you gary for all the content it really helps me keep focused on what i'm spending my time on and the podcast form makes it easier to have it on in the background when i'm using my phone And secondly, Gary is amazing. I originally found him on YouTube and he has helped me so much in gaining the right mindset to succeed and learn the skills in entrepreneurship. He's also much more than a business expert. He's a life coach, practical philosopher, and psychologist, which provides value other than the necessary monetary pursuits. Thank you so much, Gary. Thank you both so much for writing in. And remember, keep leaving reviews because yours could be next.